From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Well, our inaugural Follow the Truth Conspiracy Summit is in the books. Thanks to all of you who came out. Some pretty revelatory stuff went down at the Regent Theatre in Oshawa. And if you were there, I don't think I'm exaggerating to suggest you were a small part of history. Not so small. Uh, Don Schmidt, Jim Penniston, Patty Greer, Professor Ron Mallett, Jim Elvidge, uh, Simka uh, Jacobovici, and, uh, of course, Debbie Papadakis. All amazing uh, speakers. And we're going to take Follow the Truth on the road real uh, soon. So if you missed it, you missed something very special. Uh, But it's not too late. Look for it coming to a town or city near you. Followthetruth.tv. And a special thanks to Paul Coides and Kim Bathija my partners at Fireside Tartan Concert Promotions, and, of course, Patrick and Kadena at Conspiracy Culture, our exclusive vendor. Uh, wow, look at the uh, the calendar. We are coming up again on uh, November 22nd, and last year was the 50th anniversary of the JFK assassination, of course, and I did a fairly lengthy ongoing series leading up to November 22nd with one of the foremost assassination researchers in the field, James D. Eugenio. I think we did 10 parts. But once you pass a milestone like the 50th, it's like, now what do we do? Now we're coming up on on the 51st anniversary. Well, we're going to keep it going. What else is there to do? Uh, The search for the truth is a long, long winding road, and we're not uh, home yet. So step step by step by painful step. And uh, we're going to delve into uh, JFK on the Conspiracy Show this very night. Everybody talks about the Abraham Zapruder film, of course. It's become synonymous with November 22, 1963. Uh, the Zapruder film is held up as the smoking gun. Frame 313, clear as day, showing the fatal headshot coming from the front, not the rear. Uh, frame 371, Jackie in her pink suit, clambering over the, uh, the trunk of the limo, looking for a piece of her slain husband's shattered skull. Who can forget that? That's all part of the Zapruder film. But there was another film shot that day, another home movie reel shot in color, but from the opposite angle. It shows the grassy knoll in the background. And this film has an amazing backstory. The Zapruder film was doctored. Frames were switched. We know that. The Warren Report acknowledges that. But everybody is so hung up on the Zapruder film, they've forgotten about this film, shot on a Keystone 8mm auto-zoom camera by an unassuming friendly giant, six foot six grandfather named Orville Nix. You're about to hear more about the man who shot that footage, what it showed, and most significantly of all, what happened to that film. Here to tell all is Orville Nix's granddaughter, Gail Jackson Nix, the author of Orville Nix, The Missing JFK Assassination Film, the unflinching true story of an ordinary man swept up in an extraordinary event. Hey, Gail, how are you? I am wonderful, Richard. Thank you for having me on your show. How do you feel when, when, when people describe your grandfather's film, the Orville Nix film, as the second most important film showing the assassination of President Kennedy? What a great question. What, what a great question. Well, okay. So the pride in me, which, you know, I'm really not supposed to do that, thinks, well, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who says it's the second most important? We've never even seen what the original shows. No one has seen it. It could be the most important. But this is all we have heard our whole lives. I mean, even my grandfather, I mean, it made him kind of feel badly about it. So I suppose we've become desensitized. Of course, uh, we're referring to uh, the Zapruder film, Zapruder and that is film. held up, Abraham Zapruder's film held up as... I mean, but th- this 
to me, it's equally important because I mean, we need them both because your your exactly. grandfather's film shows the opposite angle of the Zapruder film. But before we get into that, uh, tell me about your grandfather. Oh well, my grandfather. Gosh, I, I'm I'm very biased and and subjective in what I'm about to say, but I loved him dearly, and, and he thought he and our relationship was a very strong one in that I was the eldest grandchild and so of course he thought I was the smartest most beautiful most wonderful thing ever going and which is great for a kid's ego by the way every grandparent should do that with their grandkids but um my grandfather had a fourth grade education and I do believe for most of his life he felt like the insecurities of that he pushed him deep down inside but I do believe he tried to make up for it and being a great husband and us being a semi-pro golfer and making everybody at the General Services Administration, which was a government agency, um, making them happy, uh, never missing work ever, and just, I, I mean, and flirting with the ladies, okay. I mean, he did do that. But but he was very charismatic and had a lot of personality, so, you know, I, I just think he was most a wonderful, wonderful man. Now, he he was a an air conditioning uh, repair engineer engineer at the it was oh the, thank you that's a nice <laughs> word engineer yes of course so and it's he worked at the the terminal annex building which was located where in the Dealey Plaza okay it would have been on the south side of Dealey Plaza but I, I, I let me add this Richard he had only been transferred there like a month before he they had given him um, a promotion. And they also paid for him to get his GED at, at Southern Methodist University so he could get that promotion. So where he worked before was in where the FBI building was, and that's how he met Forrest Sorrells. But anyway, the Terminal Annex building is the big white building that you'll see in Dealey Plaza on the south side. And that's where actually... Um, Mr. Holmes, the postal inspector who was the last one to interview Lee Harvey Oswald, that's where his offices were. Um, many of the people that were interviewed for Mark Lane Rush to Judgment and very few were interviewed for the Warren Commission worked there. And we're right. watching the parade from there. And you mentioned your father's friendship with Forrest Sorrells, and he, of course, was uh, uh, the uh, Secret Service uh, agent right. ahead, of, uh, ahead of Kennedy's security that day. Now, uh, you were... You and your mom uh, were on your way to to, to meet uh, your grandfather in right, Dallas. Right, and my grandmother. Yes, right. we were. And I was a bratty little kid, yeah, you know, and I I can imagine because I, I have kids now, and it really is true that when you're kind of bratty, you get it back ten times. I'm just kidding. My kids are great. <laughs> um, but anyway, I on, <laughs> on our way down, we had taken the bus, and we're going to meet him because we, he was going to drive us home. We, we only needed one car. And... The crowds were so thick. I, I, my goodness. I, I mean, there were people everywhere. And it was hard for um, a boisterous and um, rambunctious child, I mean, and a young mother and then a grandmother, to navigate through the crowds. And right as about five minutes before we were supposed to meet him, of course, I had to go to the restroom. And so we made our way across the street from the Adolphus Hotel to the little Tencent store there, a dime store is what my grandmother called it, and we sat down in a booth and waited, I mean, for the motorcade to come by. And so, I mean, you missed it. I mean, you missed... Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and thankfully so for, for... How old were you at the time? 
I, five. Yeah, that's I not something five, you need yeah. to witness. That's not something yeah. you need to have witnessed. Yeah. So. Well, you know, where we were sitting, Richard, I mean, where we were, um, the shots didn't happen until, like, maybe four blocks later. I mean, it was very close, uh, uh, but but not where we were sitting, you know, where we were on um, Main Street. Right. Now, uh, so tell me about, again, where your grandfather was standing, and uh, he's got a, a Keystone 8mm camera with him. Yes. And, and he's standing yeah. where exactly? Okay, he is standing on the corner of Maine and Houston. And Maine is the street that, that the parade had gone down all the way through Dallas, but then it took the turn on Houston and then another turn on Elm, which, of course, where right. the terrible thing happened. So um, he was across, very far across. And so his Keystone had an auto zoom on it. That's why it looks like it's closer than where he is really standing. Right. And it's also kind of dark, but that's because he had indoor film. He had the wrong kind of right. film. Right, right. He was using the wrong kind of film. But I want to tell you something that I have since found out doing my research um, about where <laughs> my grandfather's film could be and where what it could show. Um, Moses Weitzman, who is um, a wonderful, wonderful man and still is around, who worked for FX Studios, told me, he said, Gail, normally... Using indoor film should bring more light in because it is indoor film. And he said, I've never understood why people talk about the Nick film using the wrong type film when essentially it should have been overlightened. But if you'll notice, Richard, have you seen the film before? Yes, yes. Okay. You see how dark it is? That's it. Yeah, exactly. Odd, isn't it? That's so, odd, isn't it? So you're you know? saying that, that it shouldn't be that dark because no. the because the... I guess the it's auto zoom, but it, the exposure would have maybe uh, been automatic as well. I'm guessing, and maybe it would have, right. they should have compensated right, right, right. for that. And it's, the type of film it is, I mean, automatically lets more light in because of the. I guess. I mean, I am hmm. no photo expert at all. I, I'm just going by what Mr. Weissman told me. Right. Okay. So uh, we're going to head into a break shortly, but let's just get this part of the conversation rolling, and then we'll take a time out, come back, and continue. Uh, what when we say that uh, you know the the, the Orville Nix film shows the opposite angle of the Zapruder film? So what? Uh, well, first of all, there are like three sort of clips. There's the right. the, uh, the 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 parade, uh, the motorcade uh, before it turns onto uh, onto Elm, correct? Exactly. And then we see the actual uh, shots being fired That's and nice. Jackie cr- crawling out under the the hood and and. Um, uh, Secret Service agent Clint Hill jumping onto the moving car. Of course, all iconic images. Uh, but right. so, but what else do we see in? We in, see the grassy knoll in its entirety, and we see the picket fence area, and we see the um, motorcade zooming off to Parkland Hospital, and then my grandfather pans back. So we see all those things, and and I don't know if you want me to go into this yet or not, but the thing is. None of the committees, not the Warren Commission, the House Select Committee, all the way up to the Assassination Records Review Board, not a one of them, Richard, studied the next film in its entirety. Only eight frames. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yes. we will get into that. Uh, we will definitely uh, get yes. into that. Uh, so, but you're, you're uh, we'll come back and we'll discuss more about what's in the film, and we're just heading into a timeout here, but your, your grandfather really didn't know what he... He wasn't sure what he had until several days later. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, The Keystone camera has a grip on it. And he was so white-knuckled 
Well, it, not at the beginning. Okay, when you see that first part of his film where it shows Houston, when, <laughs> I laugh because the reason why he left, why he moved to go get, go down Main Street a little further, is because he had gotten a senator, Ralph Yarbrough, on there waving at him, and he really didn't like Ralph Yarbrough. <laughs> so I, I, it upset him a little bit, and he was like, oh, I, I don't want a picture of, of him. I want to see the president. So that's why he went back down Main. But by the time... He had walked, you know, the other way towards, and actually my grandfather was quite tall. Six foot so six, my his, word. He oh, was yes. A, yeah. So his walking would be like you and I probably running. Yeah, the, you know. The human crane take, shot. Right, right. And he could take large strides. So by the time he started walking down Maine, or like I said, running, um, there, the, the shots were occurring. I, I mean, they were happening, and he was watching people dive bomb all around him. And so he was white knuckling um, the grip. On the camera, and you know, he didn't even realize that he had assassination footage. He knew he had Ralph Yarbrough. He knew that. But he didn't know that he had the assassination footage. All right, we'll take a time out. Gail Nix Jackson, grandfather of Nick uh, Orville Nix, and uh, her book is Orville Nix, The Missing JF JFK Assassination Film, the unflinching true story of an ordinary man swept up in an extraordinary event. Back with more. Here on The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrick. Why don't you stay a while? Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back with Gail Nix Jackson, grandfather of Orville Nix. Her book, Orville Nix, The Missing JFK Assassination Film. And uh, let's uh, talk a little bit again about the angle uh, that... Uh, the perspective that uh, Orville okay. uh, captured on okay. this film. It, it has been, my my grandfather's film has been called everything from the conspiracy film, well, to, like you had mentioned at the beginning of the program, the second important film. But um, I, because it does show the grass, you know, there was a an early, early, late 63, early 64, a researcher named Jones Harris yes. who um, had access to all I mean, because of who he was, he was Ruth Gordon's son. The the um, wonderful actress, actress, wonderful actress. Harold yes, and yes. Harold and Maude, one of my favorite films. Yeah, yeah, and um, that was his, that's his mom. So he had access that many of us don't have to people in the industry in that industry, and he was able to procure some time with UPI, who had bought the film from my grandfather, to see and analyze um, the Nix film. And he took it to this most wonderful man, Bernie Hoffman, who later became just renowned for his photo work and his photography work, right up there with Ansel Adams. Mm. And um, the both of them had seen a figure on the pergola area, and you know what I'm talking about, the pergola yes, area? That's yes. where the crosshatch is of the... Okay. And in that, they could see what looked like an estate car, which we later found out was called Honest Joe's car, and a man that they feel like they see leaning up against that car. Now, they showed this to UPI, who was so excited because they figured the Nick film, I mean, like Time Life had called it a nuisance film. Well, UPI thought it was just nothing more than just, oh, well, we got something. And um, they were all excited. They thought, oh, my gosh, I mean, we're... We're about to make real big names for ourselves with this film. So they sent it to iTech, who 
studied those frames and um, declared that it was shadows and leaves. Right, branches now, on the wall of the pergola, right. Exactly. Now, an interesting fact is that iTech was owned by, C, by a CIA man named Frank Lindsay. Oh, isn't that and interesting? And most of their contracts were CIA contracts. And I didn't know this. I mean, I, no one in my family knew this. And, you know, Maurice Schoenfeld, who worked for UPI, said he didn't realize it either. But Frank Lindsay was the man in the CIA who worked on the Kim Philby case. If you're familiar with that. No, I'm not. Anyway, I'm not, quite honestly. Uh, a spy, okay. uh, an espionage um, case that had to do with you 2 and Gary Powers, all these things. Ah, okay. I, well, that all yeah. ties in. <laughs> that yeah, all ties into so, the history of Oswald, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. I, it's just very odd to me. I, uh, the more research and the more I found, I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I, no wonder it's missing. No wonder the film is missing. And anyway, um, I'm sorry. Let's get back to what I was talking about. The classic gunman Im image is what? was called Jones Harris that figure that he saw. Right, the so it's the second the classic the, gunman image. Or the second and, gunman on the grassy knoll as they say. Right, and well and, and it has been debunked by most everyone as being, ah, oh, well, that's just cognitive dissonance. People are just seeing what they want to see. I mean there there's not there's nothing there. But you know, it's odd to me that UPI in later years, like after Jones Harris and Bernie Hoffman had done this work, when you would see copies of the Knicks film Everywhere. I have never seen an original, and I'm 56 years old. I've never seen my grandfather's original film. But um, in later copies, that part would be cut out. You wouldn't see the top of the grassy knoll. Interesting. That pergola Interesting. area. Well, it, here's the thing. Now, first of all, I, I, I find it fascinating that back in 1965, uh, iTech or anybody had the capability to do computer enhancements of film. I had oh, no idea we had that technology. Uh, oh, Richard. Richard, Richard, you and I could talk forever about this one now. I, 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 Hawkeye Works, which only <laughs> was revealed to the American public last year as even existing, had optical capabilities then. I mean, that, that we, of course, are no big deal to us now. Anyone with a computer and some expensive software could have, you know, that now. Sure. But they had it then. That's 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, this is the government paying for this, and they've got an extensive um, bank account. Sure. I've, I've, I mean, they, can, they I've, can afford to do these things. I've always said, and it's just like Ben Rich said at Skunk Works, we have the, you know, capabilities that are 50 years beyond your wildest imagination. We really do. And I, I think that's why my husband and I both like the, um, some of the better uh, sci-fi movies or dystopian movies because you know just like Jones Harris had access to some of the things the the media during that time there are other directors in our time too that do have that access too right they're telling us and the have truth knowledge or privy to those things that's right you know? McLuhan said we tell each other the truth through films and we lie to each other through television oh my goodness yes it's the truth it's so, the truth uh, now the thing is, okay, so they could dismiss the the, the second grassy Noel gunman uh, as you know shadows on the on the wall, as Plato said. Uh, right. But with, when you put that together with, I mean, your your grandfather went around and he started asking. I mean, he thought the shots came from the grassy Noel. He asked oh, Forrest Sorrels. He asked from Forrest Sorrels. Right. And 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 the head of the <clears throat> the Secret Service that day. And what did Forrest Sorrels say? Yeah, that's where he thought they came from, too. Right, but he asked other people. 
Uh-huh. Just every uh-huh. just about everyone he asked thought that everyone he asked said the same thing said well of course that's where they came from and his friend his not his friend really it was more his supervisor JC Price there at the Terminal Annex building which you can see his Warren Commission testimony in there and you can see him on Mark Lane's rush to judgment um he said you know Orville if we ran our business like <laughs> the Warren Commission is running their business, we'd all be out on the breadline. I, 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 he said, everybody knows that's where the shots came from. Everybody, and you know the thing is, Richard. Oh my goodness, I just get off. So keep me on track, okay? Um, <laughs> the thing is, there were many shots that day. I mean, everyone wants to say there were three or two or three. My grandfather said he heard five. And other people did, too. And it doesn't mean that just because there was someone on the grass, you know, that's who shot Kennedy, I, he could have missed. Lee Harvey Oswald could have missed. Sure. I mean, there, there were people. I, I just think that we all need to kind of wake up and say, look, there were people everywhere. I, I mean, it's not just we're not just talking about the school book depository, nor are we just talking about the grassy knoll. I mean, that, of course, is where my grandfather felt they came from, as did so many other witnesses. You know, well, you know what with, else would the police have run up there? With, well, with the triangulation and so forth, I'm, I've, right. I've often joked, I think the only people that didn't have a gun that day were Kennedy and his wife. <laughs> and my grandfather. But, but his right. keystone had a grip on it, which is kind of like a gun. So, I, <laughs> there you, you <go>. know. <laughs> so, uh, let, let's continue on in, with the timeline. So, uh, after your... I mean, your your grandfather, again, didn't know what he had. So the next, I mean, he went back to Daly Plaza a few days later. In his... Oh, no, 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 the next morning. He oh, the wanted next to morning. show my grandmother. Yeah. Okay. He wanted to show my grandmother what she had missed because of their bratty grandkid, me, I, I, that she couldn't get down there. So, yeah, he wanted to show her where where he, you know, where he was, where he was standing and all the areas. And he even went up to the school book depository because by... Obviously, uh, Friday night, it, you know, it's nonstop news. It's 24-hour news sure. talking about how the shots came from the school book depository. And, um, yeah, so he went back that next morning and took some more film. And he looks down at his view, the footage, you know, that shows the footage, right. how much footage has been taken. And he realizes he's still got footage. So he's like, oh, well, my, I don't want my wife to gripe at me about buying any more film. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just keep using it. And I'll take pictures of the kids later, or I'll do whatever. He went to a football and game in, in, uh, he, as the well. next weekend. Yeah. My grandfather, that assassination footage was in his camera for a week. Wow. Yeah. 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 So my dad called him. Um, they had canceled all the football games. And you know Texas. We're a big football state. So, Friday Night Lights. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. And so they had canceled all the football games and moved them and doubled up like the next weekend. And so my mother's brother had a girlfriend that was a majorette or something. And um, he called um, my dad and said, could you go take pictures? I mean, your, your dad's got a film, got a camera. Could you go take pictures of my girlfriend because she's performing? And my dad was tired. I mean, here's a young father of three and working three jobs. And so he calls my grandfather and he said, Dad, if, can you go take pictures? Uh, if you still got film, would you go take them? And my grandfather's like, well, I want to be home in time to watch my wrestling. But okay, I'll go do it. <laughs> and And he went down there to the football game didn't even know who he was supposed to be taking pictures of and looked down after he was finished and all his film was gone so he dropped it off 
at Dinah Color on his way home. Didn't think any more of it. Nothing more of it. You try telling kids and, today about film processing places. <laughs> no oh, idea. Yeah, that's true. That's true, isn't it? They would have to take them to labs and, and drop them off and get them like two or three days later, sometimes a week. I mean, it didn't happen in a hurry. And anyway, he, he gets home. He's still in time to watch his wrestling, watches his wrestling and falls asleep. And the phone rings in the middle of the night. And he answers the phone, and they're like, Mr. Nix? And my grandfather's like, ugh. I mean, you know how you are in the middle of the night when you get a phone call? You're scared that somebody's hurt in your family. or Sure. It's you know, the worst, it, it the worst feeling in the world. Right, right. And so they said, well, we thought you, you had an assassination footage here that we had missed and that we had gotten lost, And it, but you need to come down here because the FBI has issued this, um, I suppose, some sort of edict that we have to turn over every film that shows the assassination to them. But you're our customer, and we want you to see it before we do that. So my grandfather's like, well, maybe they're just thinking it's what he, you know, because he still didn't realize that he had assassination footage. He thought maybe they were just talking about <laughs> Ralph Yarbrough. Right, and so right. he called my dad and, and in the middle of the night, too, and went over and picked him up, and they both went down to the Dynacolor lab. And it's just a big white wall, Richard, just a, not even a screen. And they played it for him over and over. And my grandfather was astounded. I had tears in his eyes. He was upset. I mean, he couldn't believe it. I, I mean, that you could see the, the, kid, the uh, president being killed and, and Jackie in the hole. It, it was, he told me one time, as it, you know, before he died, that was probably one of the worst nights of his life. I mean, seeing all right, of that. Right. So, but it also um, sealed your father's place in, or your grandfather's place in history. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, it did. And you know, Richard, I don't want to get philosophical or sentimental, or but you know what? I believe that things happen for a reason. Likewise, I, likewise. he was meant to be there. Absolutely. I, I mean, in filming that film. I I, that I, it, I totally concur with that 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 philosophy. And that it's lost. Well, we we have to get into that. Why, you know how it? Uh, yeah. How, I was yeah. going to say how it turned up missing. <laughs> right. Gail Nix, ja Gail Nix Jackson is with, with us, the author of Orville Nix, the missing JFK assassination film, the unflinching true story of an ordinary man swept up in an extraordinary event. Back with more of our conversation right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Gail Nix Jackson stays with us. Uh, so, this edict uh, went out to all the film processing labs, and your grandfather's film of the JFK assassination uh, was handed over uh, to the right. FBI. Right. And Well, but it was handed over by my grandfather. Right. So and why? Him. Because he was a good patriot, you know? Sure. He, yeah. He, said he wanted to do anything he could to help figure out or help find out why this happened and how. And, of course, in our hometown, we were all born and raised here. My grandfather, my grandmother, my dad, my mom, me, my my brother, sister, my kids, yeah. all from Dallas, you know. It, it was a, a horrible thing. Well, it was a horrible thing to happen, but an even more horrible thing to happen in Dallas when it's your hometown. Exactly. You know? uh, exactly. You know, that, that what a wonderful city and to be sort of forever known as, you know, that the place where Kennedy was shot. Now, let me ask you, this is uh, an aside, and, and it's, I don't know, apropos of nothing perhaps, but, you know, it's interesting that your your grandfather was filming Kennedy just before or after 
uh, uh, Nellie Connolly, the governor's wife, says to to to, to Jack, you, "You can't say Dallas doesn't love right. you, Mr. President." And then that happens. Right? Uh, Isn't that? Oh, oh, it gave me chills when you just said that. But, I, I, but but I mean, how did your how did your granddad? How did your family feel about Kennedy being Texans? Well, okay. <laughs> My grandfather wasn't a very big politico at any at, at all. Honestly, I mean, he didn't like politicians, didn't like politics, but he did appreciate and like Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy. Now, my dad, being the younger, rebellious, you know, son, was a Goldwater man and was always trying to talk my, my grandfather into voting Republican and Goldwater and all those things. Isn't that interesting um, how he said the rebellious one would be the conservative? I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the irony of it all, isn't it? And, uh, of course, he could never convince my grandfather to do that. But, yeah, he, they were very upset. And they were glued to the television station that weekend, like everyone else in America and the world, for that matter. I mean, we're watching every single thing. And... um at one point, my grandfather was so upset, and now this is before the film. This is before he had realized he'd taken the film. And um, they were talking about how Lee Harvey Oswald had taken the shots from the Texas School Book Depository. And my grandmother looked at him and said, you know, um, Orville, you know, I, I don't see how you can say that the shots came from the grassy knoll and they've caught this man red-handed because you know you're going to believe everything that the government tells you you're going to believe your police department you're going to believe why you would not even i mean that's the furthest thing from anyone's mind that your government's going to lie to you sure i, I mean especially during that time yes this is before watergate this is before come on you know. yeah yeah i i mean and my grandmother was like well, come on orville i mean i the dallas police department you know how good they are i mean now we know now, really, but back then in '63, you know how good they are. Well, There's no way your mayor was I, your mayor was the brother of, uh, of CIA, the CIA. <laughs> right? Who had just been fired, right? Now um, uh, let me ask you. Uh, okay, so he turns the film over to the FBI, and he and uh, with his camera, they wanted the camera as well. Oh yes. What did yes. they do with the camera? The FBI. They kept it and kept it and kept it longer. And my grandfather was starting to get very nervous and was having my mother type letters to them saying, okay, I need my camera, I need my camera. And, you know, all these things are in the Warren, um, Warren Commission and in his files, too. It's really funny. Uh, all the letters that um, my mother had sent to asking where the camera is. And when they finally gave it back to him after five months, Richard, five freaking months, um, it was in pieces. They gave it to him in a box. And my dad and he went to go pick it up. And um, my dad noticed as he was going out to the car that he could hear things jostling around in it. And he said, Dad, did you give him other things besides your camera? And he goes, no, they just got my camera. And so they get in the car and they open it up, and there it is in pieces. The spring, which is the mechanism that does the timing, is all bent. Um, the viewfinder is off. I mean, it's just in pieces. And now, okay, my grandfather thought of himself as this great photographer, okay? This is the same man who used the wrong film and the wrong lens and all. But he thought of himself as a great photographer, and he was livid. I, I mean, <laughs> my dad has told us this story, and my grandfather, too, so many times. He, he, my grandfather used curse words that my dad had never heard before, and especially coming out of his own dad's mouth. 
what the heck do they think I am here? I, what, no wonder they had it so long. And da, 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 da. So he marches back into the FBI office and says, no, this will not do. And look at my camera. How could you do this? They immediately call the FBI and, and get it passed to Hoover to say, yes, we'll fix it for him. And I think that the, the bill to have it fixed was like $5.73 and 63 You know what I mean? It wasn't that much to put it all together. But the point here is, Richard, once a spring is bent, you don't re... You, the spring cannot be fixed again. So in essence, that camera could never, ever be used again to recreate what my grandfather saw. You know? Right. Back with Gail Nix-Jackson talking about her grandfather, Orville Nix, and his historical footage. Right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back with Gail Nix-Jackson, author of Orville Nix, The Missing JFK Assassination Film. All right, so uh, the original he takes to uh, to UPI, sells it to them for $5,000. That's a lot of money 50 years ago. Oh, well, no, I'm sorry. I, I just misspoke. He took it to Time Life. Time Life it paid for his trip, so that's where he went first. Okay. And when they when he went up there and they watched it over and over and over, and at that point, that's when he said, you know, this looks different this than what I remember seeing, but you know, he didn't think anything of it. Um, anyway, Time Life, when they finally turned around to say to him, and in their big suits and in their Eames chairs, and they said to him, Mr. Nix, we look at this film as a nuisance film, and we're willing, since you came so far from Texas, we're willing to give you $3,000. Now, you have to understand, Richard, by this time, um, the the news has come out about how much money the Pruders had been paid. And my grandfather thought, well, okay, if mine is showing the other side and it's not as clear, surely mine is worth half of what his is worth, you know? But what did Zapruder forget? Um, e- essentially $150,000 in, wow. in 63. But um, they, the public was told that it was 25000 and that he had donated that to... Mr. Tippett's widow, Officer Tippett's widow. Um, James Wagonboard, uh, who was the man that introduced my father and my grandfather to the Time Life executives, and who now is a dear friend, I talk to him often, um, said that that's not the truth. He is someone you all oh, want to talk to at some time. He knows. He, he's like a Time Life whistleblower. Right. right. And, and I, again, things happen for a reason. While I was writing this book, he and I, he called me. I, and don't you think that's just odd? I, 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 and he said, I remember them saying these things to your grandfather, saying we called it a nuisance film. And he said, I looked up at this big Texan. And, and I, my blood drained from my face because I thought, okay, he's either going to have a heart attack as red as he was turning, or he's going to go all John Wayne on these guys. And honestly, <laughs> he said, there was a part of me that wanted him to go all John Wayne. Why did they consider it a nuisance film? <laughs> I, I don't know why they ever said that. I don't even know why they said that. I guess because it it wasn't as close. You know what I mean? It's not as detailed as the Zapruder film is, but it was the wrong type film, and it was darker. And I guess they just figured it just wasn't worthy of anything. So what did he when he when your grandfather noticed immediately there was something different than when he had seen it at Dynacolor? Uh, once he got it, the original back from the FBI, took it to Time Life. What was there anything in particular he thought was different? Did he think Here's there were frames? Frames were Here's missing. What he told us, yeah, that's, that's what he told us. 
He said, it looks like there's something missing, and it's jumpy and it's darker. Those are the only things we ever got. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I, I, none of us in our family are photo experts by any means, but it's kind of like writing a book or painting a picture, taking a film when it's yours. You, you notice little minute details that maybe someone else wouldn't. You right. know what I mean? And there was something about it that he felt was different, though he could never put his finger on it. So he just said it just looked different. Right. That, that's all he ever said. It so just looked different. jumping ahead, I mean, he took it to, to UPI. They paid 5000 and and uh, right. sort of in it. Uh, they were waiting for him at the bottom of the stairs <laughs> when he left Time Life oh, in, is a, that right? in a huff. Is yeah. that right? So yeah. So uh, the the upshot was that you got the film back in what 1990, 1988, something I like did. that. I did. I tried. I began in 1988. Such a nice man that was working for UPI said you are absolutely right. In '63, copyright laws were 25 years. So yeah, we were more than happy to give it back to you. And he was so kind. And two days later, when I hadn't heard back from him, I called and they said. He's no longer with the company. They fired that man for helping me. Wow. Isn't that horrible? And so they said, we're sorry, Miss Nix Jackson. I, I talked to some other new attorneys there. And we're sorry, Miss Jackson. I, you know, it, the copyright law changed in 77, so you've got to wait another two years. But at that time, yes, you will get it back. You will get all the Well, UPI at that time was no longer UPI. It was called Worldwide Television News, WTN. They had taken all of UPI's holdings. So in 1990, when they finally gave me the green light to go get my things, um, I sent Robert Groden, Gary Mack, who is now the archivist at the Sixth Floor Museum, suggested that I have Robert Groden go get it because he lived in Pennsylvania. So he went up there and retrieved all of the copies and brought it back, and that's when we realized there was no original there. I mean, I have no idea how many years it's been missing now. I will tell you that since I have been on this quest, I have narrowed down the window to where it came up missing between 73 and 76, which is House Select Committee. <clears throat> but it's also the time that Robert Groden was working on it for executive action and that Mo Weitzman saw Red Bandana Man. It, it, all these things happened during those three years. Right, right. And Very strange. Mark Lane, um, your 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 grandfather appeared in in his documentary Rush to Judgment in 1967. Right, right. And uh, he did one other thing after that, and that was it. He wouldn't even go to Garrison's trial. But it's interesting because while your grandfather explained he thought the three shots came from the grassy knoll, he said he was satisfied with the Warren Commission's conclusion. All right, he worked for the government. He was not about. He lived through the depression. You know, he liked playing poker. He liked buying film. He liked my grandmother not griping at him about money. There was no way he was going to do anything to upset his job with the government. Not going to happen, you know? Not, and it, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. So, I understand it totally, you know? So in your quest to find the original and so forth, and then this led you into investigating the event that you missed by, you know, mere moments, I guess, or because of a... right. Uh, where, where did this lead you exactly? And where are you now in terms of what you think happened on November 22nd? Well, we all have our opinions, and, and we all... I will tell you first off, Richard, I have always believed my grandfather. He had no reason to lie. And he stood up there against CBS. 
He said what he said to Mark Lane. He said what he said to Forrest Sorrells. Always the same. He never changed that the shots came from behind what he called the stockade fence, which we know as the picket fence area. And in my research and in my findings and in talking to Moses Weitzman, that is exactly where he saw a gunman. Right, right. It was behind the stockade fence, the picket fence area. That's exactly where he saw one. Now, why, tell me, pray tell, I don't understand. Why would UPI, which they did, by the way, why would they not make a bigger deal out of it than this? They sent it to JPL. JPL, and I have spoken with the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which was a division of NASA. I've spoken with the man who worked for JPL during that time, and he told me we didn't get a whole film. We just got frames. Well, that doesn't even make sense, but it's the very same thing that the House Select Committee, Drs. Clyde Snow and Paul Rutling, it's the very same thing they told me. It's the very same thing the indices say in the Warren Commission. It's like it's a, it's like it's a rope script. That they, I mean, that everyone is supposed to say, yes, we just um, looked at or analyzed eight frames of the Knicks film. Why didn't anyone look behind the picket fence area? Why did they not look, you know, at Gary Mack's badge man? I mean, why did none of that happen? Because it is the Knicks film that would have shown or could have shown any of those things. It may not show anything. It may not, Richard, if we were to ever find the original. But it could have. And and these people had it at their disposal at a time with the right equipment, with the right funding, where they could have looked at it. And no one did. Now, why is that? What do you... Uh, um, I know I, it's rhetorical. I know. I, I, I just get so passionate. I get so upset about it. I, I sure. You know... Well, I mean, an entire generation uh, right. and, and more have and, and continues, you know, to scratch their heads. And, and But, you know, here we are uh, 51 years later. Uh, and are you, have you drawn any conclusions about Oswald's involvement? Yes. I, well, I always have. I, 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 here's how I look at it. I do believe this man was part of all of this in a covert way. I believe that he got in over his head. But as far as shooting the president, knowing what we know about a man like Kirkano, if even that was the rifle used, um, knowing what we know about him, I, I just don't see him being, I mean, he may have taken a shot, even though there was no gun residue on his, on his cheek, which there should have been. Not unless he well, shot mean, him with curtain rods. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I will tell you, too, I am dear friends with Buell Frazier. I, I believe him, too. His story has never changed over the years. I, I mean, I, I don't know. And he says that he doesn't think that Oswald did it. I, I believe that Oswald was part of this. I, I don't find him to be a hero by any means. I don't. But I do believe he really was a patsy. I do. And, and I believe that there were shots from the Knoll area. And you know what? I, some of the um, trajectories and people who know much more about physics and geometry than I do have suggested and have proven to me, and because I'm not a dumb blonde, I mean, well, okay, some people might think so. I don't think I am. <laughs> the, the Daltex building, yes, which is where the perfect, perfect location right. across the street. Exactly, the, the Daltex building. Exactly, and they found a shell on the roof, of course. Exactly. So I, you know, I this was a huge. This is I. I Oliver Stone did something great. His movie, 
there are lots of I have lots of issues. They used some of your granddad's film in in JFK. He did. Yeah, Yeah, he did. I I love the best thing that happened about his movie is that it opened the JFK assassination act. That is the very best thing that happened because of that movie, and that the ARRB weren't able or didn't go further than what they could have. That is upsetting. Well, listen, Gail, I've really, uh, we're out of time. I've enjoyed our conversation. And, uh, you know, I think we've made great strides in the last, say, 20 years in sort of unraveling this mystery. Hopefully it it won't take us another 50 uh, to resolve it all because we are racing against The Undertaker, of course, uh, in terms of, you know, witnesses and so forth. Listen, uh, um, congratulations on Orville Nix, the missing JFK assassination film, Gail. Oh, thank you, Richard. And thank you so much for having me on. If... Will you let people know that I, if they do have any idea of where the film could be, to please contact you or me? Will do. We'll put out that call. All thank, right. Thank, thank you so you much. Thank you so much. Gail Nix Jackson. What a courageous woman. Uh, she's dedicated her life not only to trying to find the original undoctored ver- version of her grandfather's film, but also uh, dedicated her life to bringing honor to her grandfather. Gail, Orville is looking down on you, and he is so proud. RichardSerrett.com is your portal to The Conspiracy Show. Don't forget our Google channel. Albert Vinzel, my story producer, has worked so hard on both the uh, the website and the Google channel. Uh, so the Google channel, The Conspiracy Show, I should say the YouTube channel, uh, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And uh, also say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. And, well, you know what to do. As always, follow the truth. <laughs> <laughs> 